Hi, Sean McCracken, news editor for Hotel News Now, here with Mike Blake, CTO, which is Chief Technology Officer of AHLA, which is the American Hotels and Lodging Association, and the head of HTNG, which is, if I, I will be impressed with myself if I get all these acronyms right, Hospitality Technology Next Generation, correct? That's beautiful. I did it. I well threaded done. the needle. Well done, sir. So, Mike, speaking of AHLA and HTNG, we're a bit past the um, integration of the two associations. Mm -hmm. So just for listeners' sake, um, just do a quick primer of what you guys are and sure. then give us the update on how the coming together of these two groups has really affected what you do. Gotcha. So HTNG has been around for almost 20 years as a standalone entity. And what we are are standards and best practices for the hotel hospitality industry. And it was seen that the hospitality decision was being, uh, actually it's, it's changing, Sean. So mm -hmm. it's no longer the IT and the finance guy getting together, cooking something up and saying, oh, let's do that technology. Now, technology is becoming more and more robust, and, and we need more players involved. And AHLA has that community. They have a very senior level community that I think are the new decision makers in technology. And to be a part of the process to educate, to inform, to let folks know what's, what's out there in technology, I think it was a natural fit. And they have really helped us really widen the audience and help us, you know, get our message out. Mm -hmm. One of the things I always found interesting about you guys on the HTNG side is there's a lot of associations in this industry and in every industry, and they all have their own missions. And they all, you know, a lot of them, like, like HLA, right. as great as they are, are really focused on advocacy and awareness and just um, putting a message out there. You guys were really nuts and bolts. like. Right finding problems, solving problems, and had a core group of membership that work together in a really collaborative way to solve issues. And I'm wondering how, whether that mission's changed at all and how the move into a bigger organization has affected. I mean, you were even saying you got a bigger audience now right. and uh, these are not all the, you know, computer engineering focused folks that have been the core audience sure. for so long. So I'm just wondering how that's changed and whether it's improved things, whether it's just changed things. Yeah, I think the very nature of work groups are changing. Mm -hmm. But I do think that um, our mission hasn't changed, by the way. So we mm -hmm. continue to do that, uh, Sean. So we do have um, work active work groups. Gener generally, we have 10 to 12 work groups going on at any given point in time. And we're still in that problem-solving mode. And we're still in that you know, like we were 20 years ago when we were formed. It's all about solving problems and issues. And as um, Chip, the, the CEO of AHLA says, uh, you know, IT issues don't have borders. Mm -hmm. So we still have a global mission. And what you find is, you know, the issues that, that happen in Wichita are the same that'll happen in Delhi, that'll same that happen in, in Europe. I mean, these issues around technology affect all of us. Mm -hmm. And if we can solve that problem once for everyone, much more effective than every single entity trying to solve it on their own. Mm -hmm. I wonder too, when you mentioned the idea of, you know, a bigger audience and the type of people you're getting in the era of now, um, I mean, there's been 
for good or bad, there's been a perception in the hotel industry that it's slow on the pickup for technology. But I mean, seeing what you guys do and the hard work that people really put into solving problems, I'm wondering if getting an audience in the C-suite, which is, you know, who you're dealing with at AHLA has kind of, you think, would, do you think that that will help with that problem or whether maybe that perception is not reality, but like, do you think that the, the big problems you guys are trying to solve, finding that new audience will help tackle that? Yeah. I, so let me poke a little bit at that because yeah. I, I, you know, I, I would have to say that um, I worked for a little hotel organization in my past. Mm-hmm. And if I was to look and see some of the things that we did and how we were probably one of the first entities into the cloud before mm-hmm. most of the others, I would say that, you know, we had the ability to, you know, you could in our industry, it's very easy to kind of think big, start small and then scale fast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, few industries don't have that. Most industries um, are more monolithic, whereas we have the ability to change hotels, resorts, or any one of these individual instances, try something out, and if it works, to scale it pretty quickly. I, I would say that some are more innovative than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and believe me, since they're all members, Sean, I'm not going to go through. Yeah, I wouldn't one. expect you I wasn't, to. I wasn't going to. I was. I'm heading you off at the pass on that yeah. question. But I, I do think that the capability to scale and the and the ability to affect change is very prevalent in our industry. And I do think that that um, you know when they say that we're not very innovative, I I, I push on that a lot. Because I, I think the industry is fairly innovative. Could we do more? Absolutely. I think some of the things that um, you're going to start seeing in, around the guest and how people are going to start utilizing data, I think is going to be pretty interesting. So then I'm curious, for, for somebody who's so close to it then, obviously, I mean, that perception doesn't come from me. I'm oh, reflecting what everybody, you yeah. know. So I'm just wondering where you think, A, that perception comes from, and B, like, if there's an issue, what do you think the core of that issue is? Sure. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with, first of all, the dissemination of of technology. I think inherent within our industry, I used to poke at this all the time. When I was the CIO, I always told people I was the CIO of good suggestions, Mm -hmm. right? Because... Very rarely were you able to, like, for example, when my CIO friends at some of the banking and financial institutions, right, <clears throat> they say something and the next day every branch has it, Yeah. right? Whereas for me, it was more on the lines on we had to be better, faster, cheaper. We had to have a case. Um, not true as far as if we had a cyber event or safety, boom, everything got done. Mm-hmm. I mean, people took that uh, overly, uh, you know, I, and rightfully so. I think people are overly sensitive to that, and they should be, because um, I do think cybersecurity is one of the, the bigger issues out there. Mm-hmm. But when I think about, you know, just dis- trying to diffuse some of the other kind of technologies out there, it, it was a game of trying to convince people why it made sense and convincing ownership why a different model made sense. Yeah. And I don't want to dwell on this too much, but I do, I always get the sense with right. that, that it's a lot of the times people, you know, speaking at conferences or whatever, will see what's happening in 
you know, in the airlines because they just flew to some conference or they see right. something in a store and they're like, why can't we do what retailers do? You know, and it that seems like a really oversimplification of you run a different business. It's yeah. going to look different. It's going to look different and it's going to be different. But I do think that technology, the beautiful thing about technology, and this is why I've loved it for the, the, the many years I've been at it, Sean, is it is getting better, faster and cheaper. Mm-hmm. So when you have that capability to make that case, a lot of times it's like, well, do you want it? You can stay where you're at and stay in status quo, but you're going to be slow, uh, inoperable, and more expensive. Is mm-hmm. that what you'd rather be doing? Yeah. Well, I mean, no. The answer is no. I said yeah, but no. <laughs> totally get it. But that's one of those things that uh, you know I've heard some people say say exactly what you did, and then you know. They, they, what folks like to see is demonstrated success. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's another barrier into the industry because people want to make sure that their neighbor can do it right. So let's us do it. So that's the kind of who's better at it than the other chain or the other brand or what have you. And in a franchise business, there's always the barrier of you got you have so many stakeholders, right? That you have to get on board. You do, but uh, I do think um, franchises can be fairly nimble too. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned um, the work group structure that you guys have, and um, I'm imagining most of our listeners have not combed through all of the various HTNG work groups going right now. So if you could give just like a quick snapshot, sure. we don't have to go through all of them, but I'm wondering what kind of the high level issues you guys are tackling right now, just so sure. people can conceptualize I, it. Like I, I would say, first of all, I would just point them to AHLA.com because mm-hmm. AHLA.com, we have a group, HTNG, boom. It, pretty easy to navigate, pretty easy to get right to work groups. Mm-hmm. And, um, and a big shout out to Sandy Angel because she's the one who's really spearheading the work. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, some of the things that we're working on, Sean, I think the more interesting ones that, that we play with are the ones where you can make things happen quicker. For mm-hmm. example, Express PMS. This was a way of getting information and data out of the PMS so other systems can use it pretty, pretty effectively. And I got to tell you, you know, being able to have the major PMS manufacturers as part and parcel of that enabled us to kind of get to a point where we just handed out these uh, tech acceleration awards at mm-hmm. the hospitality show. And, you know, we had 15 companies who went ahead and demonstrated that they took the standard and they're actually using it within the context of their product. Mm-hmm. So I would almost say that these are work groups that are evolving to actual, not just the standard on a piece of paper, but actually demonstrated use, which mm-hmm. I think is really the cool thing about some of the work groups now. Oh, I mean, we're, lo- we're looking at attribute modeling. I mean, any of the topical things that in fact, you'll, Here's the other one I'll put a big shout out for is we're going to have the our AI white paper is going to be coming out soon. And, you know, it, I, I would even say that uh, we're evolving some of these things into what's going to be called communities of interest. Mm-hmm. And what a community of interest, Sean, is different from a work group. A, a work group generally had a a demonstrated kind of deliverable at a given point in time, mm-hmm. whereas a community of interest is going to evolve more into who are folks in the industry who are interested in this topic 
And especially when you have something that's evolving as quickly as AI, mm-hmm. um, it's going to be, you know, and it, it's going to be, uh, it needs something different than the old shell of a work group. It needs this kind of bond of communities of interest. Yeah, especially when every day the issue is growing or changing. Yeah. You know, I heard a, somebody told me, and you're going to hear this uh, a few times, I'm sure, is if you think it's happening fast now, mm-hmm. today is actually the slowest level of innovation that you will ever experience in your lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> Which is wild to think of. Yeah, exactly. Just just think about that for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I scared you, didn't I? Well, I mean, no, I don't think it's a matter of scaring. Like it's almost it's an exciting thing, right? Yeah. I, look, I, I think, you know, with something like AI, all of us are at the same place almost. I mean, mm. it's not like. Unless you work for open AI. Yeah. Well, maybe they got a little bit of a head start, right? But, I, you know, I, I've, I think I've heard of all the different jobs that are going to be, you know, replaced. But there's mm-hmm. new jobs coming, too. I mean, I've yeah. heard something that uh, they're putting together a, a curriculum in one of the schools on being a prompt engineer. Mm-hmm. Right. How do you input into a prompt? What are some of the things you should be getting to get the data that you want from that? Yeah. I think that's fascinating. Oh, it is. I mean, and we should all know by now the growing pains of automation and innovation. Obviously, some, some things go away and new things arise from that. Absolutely. But it's not always a perfectly even growth path. So that's what I think people get a little bit worried. Um, but since you brought up AI, I think obviously most of the buzz right now is driven around generative AI. And I'm wondering from your perspective, how impactful you think that is to the hotel industry and in what ways? Sure. I, I think, you know, when we look at AI, first of all, it, it is going to be baby steps within the industry. And, and I do think that, you know, we're the right way to ingest AI within a hotel and their organization would be to let the vendor partners kind of develop AI within their context Mm -hmm. so you can take advantage of it. I mean, the people who are out there doing their own AI experiments, and I think they're going to have a hard time embedding or integrating that level of work within the context of their ecosystem. Mm -hmm. I think it's better for the ecosystem to be able to start. and, and And I do know a lot of the vendors out there who are absolutely dealing with their own AI models, AI um, <clears throat> they're embedding AI within their context. So that is the right way to digest it. I mean, yeah. you can work AI around the edges. Mm-hmm. And I do think that, um, you know, some folks out there who are experimenting with ChatGPT or even something as simple as Grammarly, my God, mm-hmm. even my emails are getting a heck of a lot better yeah. um, because uh, I actually sound literate, you know, for a finance and, and um and technology guy. I mean, I could barely speak the English language, let alone <laughs> write it. So having something like a Grammarly tool out there and being able to actually suggest what, you know, it's more than predictive text. It's just a phenomenal model mm-hmm. that I think is going to have dramatic ramifications on how we interact with guests and how frequently guests want to be interacted with. But we're Finally, I think going to get to that experiential world where people start really understanding who you are, what you like, and how to make your life a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not sure how I feel about everyone being a good writer all of a sudden. I feel like that's my one marketable skill set. So maybe everyone still be bad at it for a while, but I don't know. I, I got to tell you, when 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 you light up a, a, an email and you see nothing but but offered changes and you accept yeah. all of them, yeah, and it's like, ooh, that does sound better. Yeah, but does it sound like you? I, <laughs> I kind of want to change it. So. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to sound like you if you don't want. That's exactly. the beauty of innovation. <laughs> I, I do think that, you know, as we start, and believe me, I think there's some people who are, you know, there are some, as with any technology, you know, you got that one and a half to 3% of bad actors out there, mm -hmm. right? Because, uh, you know, I've, uh, <laughs> there's folks out there where you can actually buy an AI model the right, you know, malicious code. Yeah. So, you know, there's always going to be, I, I think, bad actors. And, and I just, you know, I would hate to see that we would regulate kind of this entire space because mm -hmm. of the tails and the 3%. Yeah. I do wonder, I mean, regardless of percentages, how serious of a cybersecurity threat you see AI as being. Yeah, I, look, I am, I am very concerned and worried about... Um, the ingestion of data. Mm -hmm. And I think when people start going heavily into the AI models and ingest their own data, I think that's the part where you have to really understand where is your data going? Mm -hmm. Is it getting shared? How, you know, what are these companies that are relatively new? Mm -hmm. How are they protecting your data? Right. Yeah. Because right now, when you do something with a chat GPT or what have you, they're not really using their data they're using more publicly available those large yeah. those large language th those llm models right are going out and scraping data that's available yeah, publicly available yeah. right but when you start ingesting your data sean mm -hmm. that's when you got to start saying okay well there's certain advantages right if oh, you're sure. able to put every single email that you've ever written right mm -hmm. into into this large language model, of course, when it comes out, it's going to sound like you, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to answer, probably respond very similarly to how you did in some some point in the past. Mm -hmm. Then you start doing that across your company. Then you start getting different, you know, I want to sound like the CEO or I want to sound like the CFO or yeah. you need to sound like it's which sounds like a fishing scale. <laughs> yeah. It really does. I, well, some of it is going to. I think there's going to be those those models that ingest your data are the ones that I would be a little leery yeah. about right now. But the appeal of it, too, is oh. so significant. I mean, we're sitting here at a conference for revenue managers. That's and right. I imagine if I was a revenue manager who, you know, talking about people who are traditionally not they're not hired necessarily for their communication skills. So if you right. could plug in charts and help that refine down an analysis and communicate to people the takeaways on it. Like that's valuable, but yeah, at the same time, this is proprietary data that that's you right. have to be careful with. It is a, you know, is a double-edged sword for sure. It, it, it completely is. And it's one where, but you know, once again, I, I hate to have people walk away with, oh, I'm just going to shy away from it. Don't. Yeah. I mean, I think embrace it, ask the right questions. Uh, get involved, think of worst case scenarios. I mean, that's kind of what I always do is sit back and say, what's the worst possible thing that can happen? Mm -hmm. And if it's if it's something that'll damage your reputation and your business, then 
think twice before yeah. you do it. And every technology is scary at a certain point. I mean, I'm sure the wheel was at one point and then we invented brakes, right? So oh, it's so Mike, any any other high level takeaways, anything excite you about tech in the industry going forward? Well, you know, I think when we looked at I think there's a lot of exciting things. You know, we talked about cybersecurity. You know, we probably could spend another hour on privacy and that's mm-hmm. even more scary. And then, you know, what? but what I think is kind of neat are some of the things that are happening around sustainability. Mm-hmm. I think the things that are happening around robotics is mm-hmm. pretty interesting. Um, I think it's, you know, when we talk about robotics, you think about, no, replacing everybody. But I, you know, once again, I don't think it's a technology of replacement. It's more augmentation. Absolutely. Right. You know, it's funny to think about that because it goes so back and forth on the perception. I mean, you think back to, you know, Detroit in the 80s and the introduction introduction of robotics into mm-hmm. manufacturing. Right. And there's like, oh, it's, it destroys the economy. But at the same time, like, you know, we always have this promise of the Jetsons future, right? Where everything is automated and our lives are easier. So, like, when do we get to that point? <laughs> well, you know, I, I think what's interesting is, you know, there are, you know, there is a continued labor shortage within the industry. Mm-hmm. So we're consistently trying to recruit and retain and and encourage people that hospitality is 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 a good life life um to live and Mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes you can't get that barista from 11 to 1 so Mm -hmm. you put in a put in a robot and it just is fascinating that it can actually work on very limited basis but Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting that it can make your coffee and there's so many use cases for automation where you know Every one of us have rote tasks that we right. don't want, wish we didn't have to do on a day-to-day basis. And if you weren't doing that, you'd be doing some other high-level task that makes your life better and your job better. And you just hope that we get to that point ah. sooner rather than later. Oh, one day. I mean, even something as simple. But once again, the things that we're describing, it's not replacing anybody. Absolutely, yeah. It's absolutely helping kind of around the edges. So it's like one less task mm-hmm. that you have to do. So um, this is absolutely not about, you know, being able to do all of housekeeping or doing all of, you know, the, the, the front desk, because that's not going to happen anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So my takeaway from this conversation is the future is bright. It's not always necessarily easy getting there, but we should keep plowing forward. Is that a fair assessment? I always say keep on keeping on. So <laughs> let's go. All right. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time, Mike. This has been wonderful. Hey, son. Thank you. I'll be back anytime. You know that. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Isaac Colazzo, Vice President of Analytics at STR. Hi, and I'm Jan Feitak, National Director for Hospitality Analytics for the CoStar Group. Tune in to our new show, Tell Me More, Hospitality Data Podcast. It's a podcast on the global hotel industry, its current trends, what we're thinking about, and where the industry's going. And we like to have fun with the data, too. Find us on hotelnewsnow.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe today.